You, you want to see something really scary? What's the boogeyman? As a matter of fact, it was. I am the devil, and I am here to do the devil's work. Welcome to the Grave Plot Podcast. Welcome, everybody, to episode 172 of the Grave Plot Podcast. I'm Skeletoni. I am Taylor of Terror. And we're laughing because we just talked for about half an hour and we weren't recording anything. But would you expect anything different from us? I mean, maybe. Not better, but different. <laughs> maybe something more catastrophic? Yeah. Like the one time I recorded half myself and it just then just it just disappeared. Yeah, the lost episode, guys. The yep. original episode 171. <laughs> that... you. Yeah, it's gone forever. And we still have the horror business, but at this point, who cares? It's all old news. Yeah. I mean, it's not and we like... we have your half of the reviews. You could just listen to you talk. Yeah, that's always fun. <laughs> that's what I love doing, listening to myself talk. Like, contrary to what you might think, <laughs> considering how much I talk on this show. Like, I don't talk a lot outside of the show. It's true. I, this, this is Can where, confirm. This is where I... Vent and you I let it. it all out. Yeah. Um, anyway. Speaking of which, yeah, the the first time around we did this, we went on a absolute tirade about uh, Donald Trump and Joe Biden and Bernie Sanders, and you'll never hear it. Right. We're not going to recreate it. No. But just some some people out there are going. Thank God. To sum up, we're frustrated that the vaccine rollout is pathetic. Uh, we're happy that Biden's in office. We would have voted for Bernie had he been on the ticket. Biden is just to stop the bleeding. He's not an instant fix. Uh, and fuck Trump. Basically, yeah, that, that sums it up. Yeah. So I can sum things up. <laughs> I can be succinct. Um, and uh, yeah, just... Uh, and I had a torta yesterday for lunch outside. Well, I ate a torta outside. Right. Oh, yeah. T- Taylor went to, went to a restaurant. And I was, like I was talking about how like I'm just not comfortable going to restaurants anymore. Or still. It's... Um, but yeah, to sum up that political rant is to say, uh, you know, things are looking up, uh, and because they are looking up, you can probably count on fewer, if any, political rants on the show going forward. Yep. Because even though we're very politically minded people, you know, sometimes we get a little hot headed. Usually me, um, but you know, I'm I'm hopeful that things are going to be looking better for the next next four years. And that I won't have them enough to bitch about to uh, warrant a rant. Yeah, I said the first time, but a, a good president is like a good referee where if they're good at their job, you don't even notice them. Right. Anyway, so, um, uh, Great Plot Film Fest is a thing. Yep, it's <laughs> it's two weeks away as of this recording. Actually, it's less than two weeks away as, as, as of this recording. Right. Um, but tickets are on sale now, greatplotfilmfest.com. It's going to be a virtual event, so you can sit at home in your underwear and watch it, and no one will come and arrest you or ask you to put on pants. Yeah. Uh, we were talking about how you could jack off. I, yeah, I wasn't going to repeat that, but it's, 
You you could. I mean, that's you could do many things. There's, there's only certain theaters that you're allowed to do that. Actually, no, I guess no one. Pee Wee Herman is proof you can't do that in any theater. Yeah, no, no, no you're not supposed to pull but it out. But especially not the Arc Lodge cinemas. They really frown upon that. I do not like that. So I'm told. <laughs> but this year, you can sit at home. You can jerk off. You don't even have to wear a mask. I don't care. Yeah. I mean, unless you're around people that don't live with you, in which case you shouldn't be around them. But yeah, don't have watch parties. Please. Make everyone buy a ticket. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You know, we're not charging more than we usually do, and so just based on the fact that multiple people who would typically pay for a separate ticket will be watching it together, mm-hmm. we're actually losing money. But we just didn't feel right about charging you guys more, since our costs didn't really go up. Our costs, if anything, are less, because we didn't have to rent a theater. And that's so. true. But we do hope that you will join us. Uh, we've got 25 films from around the world, Spain, Portugal... Uh, I believe there's one from France, one from Germany, and you know, then a, a couple uh, from the United States. France. I, I know it, there's, I think, two from Vancouver for as far as the Pacific Northwest goes. So it should be a good time. The uh, films are currently in the hands of our judges, who will decide who gets best movie, best director, uh, most creative, et cetera, et cetera. And then there will also be a form for audience voting that you'll be able to vote for your favorite. Yes, sir. So look forward to that. And a good way to keep the date in mind is it's the day before the Super Bowl, if you're sports fans. Mm. That's I don't I don't think we ever did that intentionally. It just kinda happened that way. Yeah. It's February sixth this year, for those of you who aren't sports fans. Right. Uh I mean, who's is anybody really a sports fan this year? It's hard. <laughs> yeah. Like I've watched one football game. Typically I watch like every Seahawks game. Like I don't watch a lot of Monday Night Football or, you know, the national games, because I just, honestly, I can't even pretend to care. But I w- usually watch every Seahawks game, and I watched one this year. I, I don't think I've watched care. a full one. I think, like, if I look and see the score is close and it's, like, the fourth quarter or something, I'll turn it on. Mm-hmm. But I don't think I've watched a full kick-to-kick or kick-to-buzzer yeah. full and game. Not only does, like... I'm going to try not to go on a rant here. But like I just I don't feel like I should support these professional leagues that are insisting on people being in close contact with each other while there's a pandemic. Yeah. The the <laughs> like, first time around we talked about this a little bit, but it's like you know, the these professional athletes are catching covid and it's like these people their athleticism is their job. It's their their skill that they use to make money. And they're catching this lung disease Mm -hmm. that, you know, maybe they can quarantine for 14 days and then go back to work and everything's fine for now. But this this disease has been around for less than two years. We don't know what the long-term effects are going to be. Yeah. And it's just like, you know, it's not even just athletes. You know, maybe an athlete catches it, but then they'll pass it along to the coaching staff Mm -hmm. or the training staff or the medical staff or just some fucking guy who, you know, washes the towels. You know, <laughs> this, this this is how this shit works. And, you know, that guy, he may have health insurance, but he doesn't get paid millions of dollars like the players in the field do. He's probably most at risk, if anybody. Yeah. Um, touching all that sweat. Yeah. Well, I, mean, I don't know if it's transferable through sweat, but uh, that's kind of not the point. Anyway, I just, I don't, I don't feel like supporting any league. Like, I didn't watch, I don't watch a lot of baseball, period, but I didn't watch any this year. Um and it's just baseball in an empty stadium is 
out of all the sports, like baseball and NFC Stadium is the weirdest. Yeah, for sure. I, I don't really know why. I think it's probably because you see the stands more often. That could be it. Um, but yeah, and you know, I've, I I may have talked about this before, but just because every league, especially NFL, has become so politicized over the last few years, I've just lost interest. Yeah, it's it's so funny hearing these people be like, well, you know, all the players are getting so political with the kneeling and everything, and that's why people don't watch anymore. And I'm like, no, I don't watch because of the league's response to those players. It, and it, it, I agree with you. I I do think that was unprofessional, childish of the leagues to to give them shit for that. But I mean, that kind of that's kind of my point. Let them fucking do it, and then play the game. Yeah, like I don't I don't care about their political stance. I like on either side. The best thing they could have done, not shown it. Yeah. But no, everybody has to make a fucking deal about it. And especially the fucking no necks living in the South most mainly, you know, making a big fucking stink about it. Yeah. It's like, oh, you're just disrespecting our troops. While they sit like, on their couch watching. Yeah. Like you're not standing. When they're fucking like American flag parachute pants. Get the fuck out of here. Anyway, so <laughs> that was not supposed to be a rant. It was a short one, as far as yeah, as far as ours compared go. to the last time. Yeah. Anyway, so before we move on with the show, do you want to thank our Patreon patrons, our grave diggers over on Patreon? They, some of whom are watching us live right now. Yeah. Um, they do help support the show monetarily. Uh, we don't run an expensive show here, but it does cost money. Um, so yeah. And and any you know profits that go above and beyond what we pay goes towards things like the film festival or you know sometimes we do giveaways or, or special merchandise or something so it, it all the money goes back into the show yeah and that's what it's, it's fucking up my taxes this year but I'm, I'll deal with it <laughs> so I got an email for the 1099 um, but uh, or 1098 um, anyway yeah uh, that's why like. People like our patrons and, you know, people that buy tickets to the film festival, they're also important because they help not only finance the show, but finance the film festival and any other things we do for the, you know, related to the show. Um, it really helps us out because there's no way we could do it financially without you guys. So um, the people that uh, we're talking about are Jordan Morrison, Kevin Trent, Carlos Rodella, Gory B. Movie, Max Zaleski. Aaron Meyer, Bob Voorhees, and can't excuse even me. say his name. <laughs> I can't even talk about it. Uh, Kevin Nesgota. So thank you so much, guys, for all your continued support. It means a lot to us. Um, Taylor, if anybody else wants to join the party, where can they go? They can go to patreon.com slash graveplotpodcast. You can get perks for as little as $1. $5 gets your name in the show and the live feed of Horror Business. Which we're doing right now. Which we are doing right now. Uh, then you know we have other perks for higher tiers. If you give a hundred dollars, I will get a tattoo of a fat unicorn on my ass. It's been like two, maybe even three years, guys, and Taylor still does not have a unicorn on his ass. I know our our friend Matt, who does a lot of our tattoos, is he's raring to go. Oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. I talked to him about it a while ago, and he's he's like fucking. He's he's probably I mean, has a stencil ready already. <laughs> he, he probably has it drawn up. I mean, excitement about tattooing on a grown man's ass like that was like as much as excited as he was going to get, but <laughs> excited nonetheless. Okay, so um, anything else you want to chat about before we move on? I don't think so. All right, let's do some horror business. Horror business. 
So, uh, starting out in some real-world horror, <clears throat> you know, they'll just let about anybody write a book these days, except for Josh Hawley. <laughs> they, will, they, they will not let him have a book. I mean, he has a book, but nobody's going to publish it. Yeah. I mean, anybody can self-publish. Sure. Yeah, put it on Amazon. Yeah, look at Kevin Nesgoda. Have people pay like $2 to read it. That's fine. <laughs> Money's money, man. I like money. Yeah, but he's probably not going to get the twenty four ninety nine he was expecting expecting anyway <clears throat> but uh nico clow uh also known as the vampire of paris uh was arrested uh for suspicion of murder in 1994 um has recently released a cookbook oh centered on what you might ask i do ask uh cooking human meat oh is it called How to Cook for 40 Humans? <laughs> it's a cookbook. Um, yeah. Uh, so French authorities were uh, shocked. They're shocked, Taylor. Shocked, I say. Uh, to discover human remains and bags of blood in Klaus' apartment. This is when uh, he, from when he was arrested. Right. Um, yeah, he, was, he confessed to the murder of Thierry Bissonnet. B, or Bissonnet. I don't understand French. Uh, <laughs> he confessed to worshiping Satan, which, you know, in my progressive mindset, I don't think that's something you should have to confess to. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with worshiping Satan, either as a deity or just the like the satanic, you know, idealism, idealism, ideology. That's the one. <laughs> um. I don't know, maybe things, things, are, things are different in French. France. <laughs> French, French. <laughs> French. <laughs> I always call them French fries at home. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, let's see. So, confessed to murder, worshipping Satan, and robbing graves. He admitted to drinking blood and eating strips of human flesh that he procured from his job as a mortuary assistant. He's a fucking ghoul. I feel like... This isn't the first time I've heard about mortuary assistants eating people. You got you got to look out for those guys. I, I feel like there needs to be a better vetting process, right? You know, I think maybe you should do like uh, like monthly cheek swabs or something, <laughs> just to make sure that there's no just make sure there's no like Edward in his mouth. Yeah. Like, oh, I'm the weirdo. This is the guy with the popsicle stick in his ass. <laughs> um. Cloud recalls, with little hesitation on my part, I informed them that I had been robbing graves of several Parisian Gothic graveyards and mutilating the mummified remains. Also, they weren't even like fresh bodies. Uh, when asked the reason why I was storing stolen blood bags inside my refrigerator, I simply answered that I drank the blood on a regular basis. I don't think you're supposed to drink blood. Like, I, I think, like, I think it can be harmful. I mean, probably, yeah. Or maybe, like, because you know, I mean, if, depending on like where it came from, like who, what, who the person is, and what kind of if they had any diseases or anything. Yeah, you know, they, they always tell you, like, if you have a bloody nose, you're like they always tell you you're supposed to tip it back. But I heard that you're not supposed to do that because the blood goes down your throat and you just end up swallowing a bunch of blood. You can swallow a pint of blood before you get sick. 
Fight Club taught me that, right? And I guess if you bleed a pint of blood, you're in trouble. There's probably already other issues. Yeah, you got you got bigger things to worry about. Um. Anyway, okay. I like how he's so like matter of fact about this. He's like, "Why you got blood in your freezer? Oh, because I like to drink it." Yeah. So well, obviously, I'm not gonna lie to you. Why the fuck else? Um. Working as a mortuary assistant for 10 months, I had been using my position as a means to fulfill a lifelong fantasy of mine revolving around cannibalism. Oh, f- lifelong fantasy of mine revolving around cannibalism. When left alone to stitch the bodies after autopsies, I would cut strips of meat from the ribs and eat them. On some occasions, I would bring pieces of flesh back to my place where I would cook and eat those pieces as well. So eat them raw and cooked. Uh, good news, guys. Uh, Nico was released in 2002, so he's just out there. He's, like, he's out there writing cookbooks. A, a confessed murderer and cannibal just out there. Yeah. He served 12 years, or f- 15 years. <laughs> um, let's see. Uh, earlier this month, he re- released the Cannibal Cookbook, colon, Human Meat Recipes. From oh, don't say ra- colon when talking about this. <laughs> <laughs> don't eat the colon, guys. They advise very strongly against that. That's why you shouldn't eat a rare hamburger, you know that. Unless it's like prime cut like Angus meat. If it's like just, you know, cheap meat that you buy in like a tube (laughs) tube or something. Then it's prime cut anus meat. (laughs) Right. But you're supposed to cook it like all the way through. Because if it's pink in the middle, like when they cut the meat, there's like a strong chance that they could nick the the intestines. And then you just get infected with, with E. coli and fecal matter. So it's like you have to cook it like all the way through to make sure it's not. So if it's pink, it's the stink. <laughs> right. If you're eating like a prime cut, like high quality burger from like a nice restaurant or something, then you're probably okay. But if you buy, like I said, just like cheap shitty meat because you're trying to save money, we've all been there, uh, make sure you cook it all the way through. <laughs> I think uh, the the recommended temperature for beef is... 165. That's Fahrenheit. This PSA has been brought to you by the Great Blood Podcast. I I worked in you know food food service for so long that you know when you get your food handler's permit and stuff like that, they make sure you know all that shit. Uh, Let's see. Yeah, so he released the Cannibal Cookbook: colon human meat recipes from around the world. (laughs) He's a world traveler. He's the Anthony Bourdain. Of cannibalism. Uh, according to Amazon France, uh, the cannibal cookbook is exactly what it what its title proclaims. So, Bob, to answer your question, it is available on Amazon France. France. Bob was asking if it's available on Amazon. Do we have to worry about you, Bob? <laughs> do we need to do we need to have the cops keeping keeping an eye on you? Um. Let's see. Uh, the title is exactly what it proclaims, or it is exactly what the title proclaims. Written by former French cannibal, not former. You can't be a former can. cannibal murderer. Yeah, no, it's like being president. Once you're president, you're Mister President. Exactly. <laughs> he's still. He, in, if anything, he's now convicted cannibal murderer Nico Clow. Uh, this uh, book explores one of the most taboo forms of cuisine. It's a world tour of gastronomical human meat recipes tried and tested by real-life human flesh eaters like Jeffrey Dahmer or Albert Fish. Oh, those guys know their meat, I tell you what. 
Uh, the cookbook will help you choose the right spices for your own cannibal feast. Precious advice is given on how to get a hold of that very special meat and how to cut it like a pro. Is I mean, is this a, like a guide on murder? It kind of sounds like it. Because I don't think you should be selling those no, things. No, I don't think this should be available to people like Bob. And leave it to fucking Amazon to sell it, Leave too. it to fucking France. Yeah, well, yeah. France is a whole other issue. But Amazon, like, you know, f- weren't they selling, like, like, weren't they allowing people to sell, like, Nazi paraphernalia and stuff? Oh, probably. And, like, it just went on. It just went on and on until somebody reported it. And, like, oh, okay, well, I guess we'll get rid of that. Anyway, um... This book is the perfect gift for those who love fine food and the macabre. Well then. You know, I wonder how well these recipes translate to something like beef. I don't know. I've heard I've heard that human meat is more akin to pork than it is to beef. I've always heard it tastes like chicken, but people just say that about everything. Sure, yeah. But like, oh, mean, here's a brick. Mmm, tastes like chicken. But you've, have you ever heard the term long pig? No. It's, it means human. Oh. Was uh, I calling you long pig? <laughs> but, you know, that there's some credence to that, too, because when uh, if they do, um, like, skin grafts, but they don't have enough human skin material to work with, they actually supplement it with pig skin because it's molecularly so similar to ours. So. Also, horror movies use it for practical effects all the time also that <clears throat> cannibal cookbooks guys get it get it on amazon france while it, while it's hot i got an idea for a movie and it goes like So our good friends over at Fangoria, we don't have any friends. We have there. we have no friends <laughs> anywhere. Uh, they have launched Fangoria Studios to develop and produce film, television, and podcasts. Hi, using the iconic Fangoria, Starlog, and Gorezone brands, with an eye towards developing a state of a slate of sci-fi and horror projects with global appeal. We don't have global appeal. We just spent ten minutes talking about how much we hate France. <laughs> we didn't say that we hate France. <laughs> We alluded we to it. strongly implied it. <laughs> and it's, it's, honestly, though, we don't even hate France. It's just a funny American thing that, we, that is, we do. Yeah. We make fun of French Canadians, too. It's the same thing. Yeah. Because French. Right. <laughs> Fucking Jean-Claude and Jean-Paul and Jean-Pierre. <laughs> Did he bank? Did he bank? <laughs> Titty bank? <laughs> is it is it close by or? <laughs> uh, Fangoria Studios seeks to create new icons of genre, both in front and behind the camera. Circle of Confusion will represent them in all areas. Uh, they're like a management company, I guess. Uh, for decades, Fangoria has provided a platform to highlight those in front of and behind the camera, and now Fangoria Studios is excited to develop their own projects with their partner, Circle of Confusion, who has an incredible track record of discovering new talent with projects like The Walking Dead, John Wick, and The Matrix franchises. So what I find most interesting about this is, wasn't Fangoria already making movies? Yeah, I mean, I think maybe they were just on as like a 
um, consultant or something? Like, wasn't uh, wasn't Castle Freak? Wasn't Fangoria involved in that? The new one. I want to say yes, because I know. Then do it. Just do it. It'll feel so good. Yes. Uh, <laughs> what are we doing? <laughs> um, well, I mean, I know like Babs. She's been working really close with Fangoria on different projects. So the fact that she produced it, you know, I I, I don't remember off the top of my head, but there's a good chance that it that it was. So yeah, this seems just kind of like a, uh, a, a kind of arbitrary step. I imagine it's just like a, a DBA for them. Well, I mean, you know, with all that shit that went on with Sinistate, um, and now, you know, they're kind of like on their own again, uh, rather than being, well, I don't, know, I don't I don't know, really know what circle of confusion is. I'm not really familiar with that, but... Um, you know, when the whole shit with Sin Estate went down and Fangoria is just like, okay, we're going to, we're going to get out of here. Um, you know, they kind of did their own thing for a while and it was up in the air whether or not they were going to survive because they didn't really have a parent company. But so, I mean, this is encouraging that they're actually like organizing like a film studio. Um, and, you know, they've got plans going forward. Yeah. Because I mean, Fangoria has been a you know a, a, a pinnacle of the horror community for forty years, if not more. Yeah. Um. So, it, it like I said, it's 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 encouraging and it's 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 good that they are making progress here. I just hope that um, any problems they may have had with Sinistate were left with Sinistate. Yeah, for sure. Seems like everybody's like doing their own little studios now because you you know uh dread central has dread presents and then bloody disgusting has bloody disgusting selects as well as bloody disgusting tv right yeah i mean and then there's shutter which is actually a division of amc but still kind of on the same wavelength um but yeah i mean like all these horror brands are really taking to taking to the streets and taking the genre in their own hands yeah. because you can't rely on these big studios anymore it's true i mean you got you know, we got like Universal is making like Jordan Peele movies and, you and um, you know, Paramount and uh, um, New Line that will make like shitty James Wan movies and shitty Blumhouse movies and that kind of stuff. Right. But that's like as far as the big studios, that's really all you're getting as far as horror. So it's, we're relying on these small, art, not so much art house, but like smaller independent production companies and, and, and uh, um studios to give us quality horror content over quantity right <clears throat> and you know who better to rely on than who better yeah that who better to rely on than you know the one of the premier names of horror like i said for the last 40 some odd years word uh, owners Tara Ansley and Abby Goal said, we're in incredibly excited to begin a new chapter of our 40-plus-year-old brands to launch Fangoria Studios with our partners at Circle of Confusion. As filmmakers ourselves, our commitment is to expand genre across the world. We want to share original stories with audiences both domestically and internationally. They're very big on that, like international. They're hitting that a, a bunch. Yeah. Um, and I don't, I don't know if that necessarily means that movies that are just filmed internationally or mo movies that are made for international audiences or, or what, but you know, fucking get it. Yeah. Make it happen. 
So I can get after it then. Pitter patter. So it's been a long time since we talked about uh, Terrifier. Um, if you haven't seen Terrifier, then you are just you are just fucking up. Um, we're both huge fans of it, um, and we actually spoke with Damon uh, Damien Leone, uh, the director of Terrifier, here on the show. Uh, you can check back on one of our back, Hall- back when we still did interviews. Right. It's not that we have that we've abolished interviews. It's just been difficult this past year. Um, yeah, we interviewed Damien Leone on our show, or one of our Halloween episodes, I think a couple of years ago. Um, and we actually talked with David Howard Horton, the one... Thornton, Thornton sorry. <laughs> um, the uh, guy who plays uh, Art the Clown at Crypticon year before last. Uh, really cool guy and total, like personality-wise, completely contrary to Art the Clown. Man, we're not going to have Crypticon this year either, are we? It's not looking good. Unless they do it in like September, right. like they were trying to do last year. You know, back, you know, where things were looking more up that we're going to start seeing like more people vaccinated, more of a herd immunity yeah. type thing. I miss our camp friends. I know. Man, fucking sucks. Like, I feel like I'm losing touch with people. Yeah. Not, not, not just. Uh, horror fan or like horror friends, but like just friends in general. Like, yeah, you and I, we, we keep in touch because we do the show. I mean, aside from being best friends, but like uh, when I was at the comic store the other day, uh, I saw one of my friends that I hadn't seen in you know since before lockdown last year. So it's probably it's been over a year since I've seen him. And I was thinking about it, like you know, our friends, like you know, the guys, we haven't seen them in. Well, you've seen Jeremy recently, semi-recently, right? No. No? I thought you saw him at, at one holiday or another. No, nah, we haven't been going to any of the family stuff. I guess that's true. Well, regardless, we haven't seen any of our friends in fucking forever. So, anyway. Speaking, speaking of which, happy birthday, Jensen. Oh, yeah. Fuck. I need to text him when we're done. <clears throat> Not that he listens to the show. Anyway, so, David Howard Thornton. Uh, was let's see, was this an interview or just yes? Uh, it was with some Spanish outlet. Okay, well, doing an interview with some Spanish outlet, he uh, gave us some updates on uh, <laughs> on Terrifier too. Uh, he said Art's a bit more confident in himself after being pr- brought back from the dead. You know, as as you do. Spoiler, spoiler. <laughs> Ah, that's movie's been out for what four years. I mean, I don't care. I, I've seen it, so I'm... um, let's see. Cinefantastico.com. There you go. Uh, let's see. So yeah, he's more confident after being back back from the dead and has an agenda. I think he did before. At least it seemed like it. He's did a lot. He or was he just kind of ruthlessly killing anybody? That's that's true. He did seem to just kind of pick. Uh, pick the girls just because they happen to be there yeah they were just at the pizza restaurant um he's a lot more ruthless and sadistic in this one too uh that's saying something yeah because <laughs> he was 
fucked up. If you follow, uh, I think it's Damien who was saying something about it on Instagram. Uh, like he kind of just gives you little teasers, like he because he's a special effects artist, you know, before director or. He got his start in the film industry as a special effects artist and then kind of transitioned into director, but he's still like he's doing all the special effects, um, you know, making props and um, uh, prosthetics and stuff for the movie. And he'll post pictures of things that he's making. Uh, and he said something along the lines of like, if you thought the uh, the hacksaw scene in Terrifier was bad, just wait until you see what we're working on now. Jesus. It's like, oh, man. <laughs> It's like I don't know how Mickey how it gets much worse than that. Um uh let's see. Okay, so he's a lot more ruthless and sadistic in this one too. We have not pulled back with him at all. The last third of the movie is especially relentless and nuts. Uh when asked about the possibility of a terrifier trilogy, he said, "Oh yes. We definitely have one more or we have more to tell. Uh we already know how we want to start and end the next one." We're already brainstorming some fun ideas for everything in between as well. It's going to be fun. In between. What the hell does that mean? Yeah, I don't know. You're going to do like shorts? Terrifier two and a half? <laughs> I mean, I'd be down if they do, did some like uh, just, you know, YouTube shorts or something like that. Yeah, sure. Fuck it. Damien, if you want to kill us, hit us up. Like, Yeah, but we have to fly out to Jersey and that can get... Ew. <laughs> New Jersey, you. Tony, what do you have against New Jersey? <laughs> Unfortunately, a southern border. <laughs> New Jersey. <laughs> uh, my wife and I. Well, and my I wife. Sh- my wife was. I shouldn't say I. I wasn't really watching it, but she was watching this show. Um, and these girls were driving from Manhattan to Pennsylvania. And uh, one scene, they're driving, and one girl's like, what is that smell? And one driving's like, New Jersey. <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah. I haven't had a, heard a good quality <laughs> New Jersey joke in a while. <clears throat> anyway. Um, but Damien, yeah. if you want to kill us, and we can do it remotely. <laughs> we can just film ourselves and send it to you, and you can digitally edit us in. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like... I would fly out to Jersey to do that, um, but you know I've got a kid coming, so it might be a little challenging for the next. We know people with green screens. So. <laughs> sure, yeah. We can we can film ourselves in front of a green screen, and you just you can just edit us in, and we could be like, it hey. definitely doesn't seem like too much work for people two people that no one's ever heard of, right? <laughs> <laughs> and we can be like, hey, I'm in Delaware. <laughs> Uh, okay, so um, yeah, we we still don't know exactly when Terrifier Two is coming out, but I know that even through the pandemic, they've been kind of plugging away at it. Yeah, I mean, they definitely slowed down, but as far as I know, they're done filming. Are they? I think. Don't quote me on that. Hashtag no fact checks. <laughs> Let's see. I think they're done filming Taylor Terror two thousand twenty one. <laughs> they are done filming Taylor of Terror. <laughs> <laughs> so terrifier guys if you haven't seen it i think it's still so on netflix. do still on netflix right i don't know well it used to be so maybe it's still there if, if it's not give damien your money yeah 
Don't be an asshole. Not appear to still be on Netflix, but it is on Tubi and Voodoo for free, or it is on Amazon Prime and Google Play for three dollars. Pay three dollars. Why not? It's good for you. Good for you. Yep. So we've talked before about how they're making a new television series based on George Romero's Day of the Dead movie. Uh, we all hope and pray that it has. Nothing to do with the the shitty remake from 2008. Did you ever see that? Oh, wait, David. Um, yes. One with the, the soldiers and stuff? Yeah, the one with Ving Rhames. I guess he was in both. He was in Dawn of the Dead, too. But Yeah, even though they don't have anything to do with each other. No, completely different characters. So stupid. But man, that movie's bad. It's so bad. They made Bubba vegan. Yeah. And then they did another one. Where they had the guy from the Oneaters playing Bud. Right. Bloodlines or something like that. That was so stupid. I never saw that one because it just looked terrible. God damn it. Uh, But yeah, like I said, they're doing a new TV show. It's going to be on sci-fi, which is not a great sign. Yeah, that's that's usually not great, Bob. (laughs) Uh, In a recent interview with Bloody Disgusting, director Stephen Kostansky said, so it's a 10-episode series. Can't stand you. (laughs) Can't stand you. Can't stand you. Uh, so it's a 10 episode series. It does have ties to the original movie. I can't go into many specifics, unfortunately. I'm not really allowed to say much of anything. Good. Thanks, Steve. Thanks for your time, Steve. <laughs> You've given us a lot to go on. Can, can we even print that? Yeah, we need something. We need content. Ooh. So uh, He does go on to say it was a very scrappy, low budget affair, and I had a ton of fun making it. We got Master's effects to once again provide creature effects for it. Once again. (laughs) I don't know. Maybe they did the movie. I don't know. Uh, He said, so I can say that at the very least, the zombies are super awesome. It's a very weird, interesting show that I don't think is what people are going to be expecting. Mm. Uh If it's based on a uh, pre-existing meat, meat, not medium, uh, Franchise? Fran- franchise content. content. Uh, it should probably be what people are expecting. Yeah. That's generally how you want to do it so you can like you know get people to watch it. Right. It's like being like, hey, I'm making this Superman show, but it's not what you'd expect. He can't fly. He doesn't have laser vision. He's really just a guy. <laughs> that sounds terrible. Why would anyone watch that? I get this. His name is Charles. Charles Clark. <laughs> Get it? I made his first name, his last name. Because that's that's the homage to the original. <laughs> Not going to lie, Steve. This sounds terrible. <laughs> it's okay. I got greenlit at sci-fi. <laughs> um, <clears throat> I had a ton of fun making it, and I really utilized all my low-budget sensibilities to pull it off. It was another case of like a very ambitious premise with the bare minimum of resources. And I think that yielded a lot of great creativity from the team. I think we can understand that. Sure. Yeah. Having to work on a low budget and having to get pretty creative. You yeah. know, when we when we 
worked on, do they reach? I think they they did some pretty creative stuff as far as uh, effects go. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, like uh, fucking blood cannon. I think they used like three times in the movie. Um, it was literally just an air compressor with a shutoff valve, and like it was shot into a piece of uh, PVC pipe. PVC pipe. Or actually, I think it was. I think it's ABS. Actually, if you want to get technical, but I don't. Uh, I remember part of the reason that like I didn't start shooting my like I had like a fucking like five o'clock or maybe like three o'clock in the afternoon call time, and I didn't start shooting until like fucking one in the morning. Oh Jesus! <laughs> because we were trying to get that fucking blood cannon to work. Um. Yeah, we're out, out back in Bry's house, just loading it up with fake blood and just like trying to get it to shoot correctly. Like Bry's backyard looks like a fucking murder scene. <laughs> I hope he still has blood on his ceiling. Oh, man. I remember we were, trying to, we were trying so hard to clean that off, but it's like an old popcorn ceiling. He, he told me it's still there, actually. I, I remember that. Um, and uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, the series, like I said, is going to be on sci-fi. It's described as an intense story of six strangers trying to survive the first 24 hours of an undead invasion. You know, watching zombie movies or, or whatever, it's always at the beginning of the the outbreak. Sure. Uh, and it's just like, why don't they show things that are you know further down the line? And then I see The Walking Dead. I'm like, oh, that's why. Because <laughs> then it's just the same fucking thing. It's like people walking from place to place and then zombie uh, uh oh no shoot in the head shoot in the head like oh now billy's dead well let's press on because <laughs> what else are we gonna do right that's a shame <laughs> um the story of six strangers trying to survive the first 24 hours of an undead invasion doesn't really sound like day of the dead are they soldiers it sounds more like night of the living dead to me well yeah yes so, well yeah. Day of the Dead and Night of the Living Dead take place concurrently, right? Uh, no, Day of the Dead takes place, like as far as the original, takes place down the line. Does it? Yeah, because, you know, they've already, they've, the military's already, uh, you know, they've got oh, that yeah, underground bunker and, you know, the outbreak's already in full, full play. Night of, Night of the Living Dead and Diary. Dawn of the Dead take place on the same day, I think, or at least maybe like the next day. Yeah, Diary of the Dead takes place the same time as Night of the Living Dead. Right. In a different location. And it's bad. It's so bad. (laughs) Man, Diary of the Dead and fucking Survival of the Dead. My God. Like, I thought Land of the Dead was about as bad as it could get. And then fucking Romero, like, topped him. (laughs) Hold my beer. (laughs) Like, oh, you want to see how bad it can get, huh? (laughs) Uh, so yeah, the, like I said, this is coming to sci-fi. I've said it like eight times now. Um, it's, it's like I get paid every time I say sci-fi or something. <laughs> Wade Boggs Carpet World. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know when this is going out. Check your local listings or something. Fucking don't ask me anything. <laughs> don't at me.
All right, so the exciting next stage of the Resident Evil franchise is coming along. The video games, not the movies. Right. Although they are making a movie. They're, re- they're rebooting the movie franchise already. Bother. And is it? No, Mila Jojovic's not in it. No. And, I, and Paul W.S. Anderson's not involved. He might be like APing or something. But Anyway. So, uh, May 7th is the expected release date for a Resident Evil Village. Uh, which is coming to PlayStation 4, Xbox One, and was recently announced for PlayStation 5 and the Xbox X and S series, as well as Steam. Did you notice they did the number gimmick again? It's like the V and the two L's make a seven. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's cute. It's cute. <laughs> um, continuing the story of Ethan Winters for Resident Evil 7, a.k.a. Biohazard, for those of you at home. Oh, I guess that must be V-I-I-I then, if it's eight. Right? This is it, part eight? This would be eight, yeah. Okay, so it's the V and the I and the two L's. Right. Make an eight. There you go. You got it. <laughs> Proud of you. Um, is eight is eight I-I-X? Eight is V-I-I-I. Okay, and then nine is I-X. No. Wait, yes. Sorry. I can never remember when they switch. After. After what? <laughs> After the X. What? <laughs> Nothing you're saying is making sense. <laughs> they always, the only th- time that occurs is with nine. So nine is IX. But after that, like 19 is X. V I I I I. No, sorry. I guess with XVIX, right? Yeah, so I guess you're, So it's just one before. With the with the number 9, it's always yeah. before. So like, yeah, 29 would be XXIX. Okay. Don't say we never taught you nothing. <laughs> because after VIII, VIIII would just be grotesque. Yeah, it would be silly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, anyway uh, Yeah, so this is announced by Capcom um, uh, Continues the story of Ethan Winters from Resident Evil 7 Resident Evil Village's immersive first-person gameplay Will take place take players in a gorgeous and gruesome castle Dimitrescu uh, Where it looks like there will be plenty of creepy encounters With the castle's eerie occupants did you watch the little teaser video thing? I think so. With the the maiden, I think her name is. Oh, maybe not. I think maybe I watched like an announcement video or something. Um. Anyway. Yeah. And so as far as like Biohazard, and I think I probably talked about this when it came out, or sorry, Resident Evil Seven. Um. It uh, was very different than previous. Um, Resident Evil games. It was all first person, which was very very strange um, and hard to kind of get used to, at least for me, because I don't I don't do well with first person games. I'm, I have a hard time, you know, aiming and that kind of shit. Yeah, me too. Um, but uh, you know, it, it does definitely create an immersive environment because you don't have the um, the advantage of being able to see you know, in a 180 degree, you know, panoramic view. Um, so, uh, 
being limited to what you can just see in front of you. And of course you can turn, but you know, something could easily be sneaking up on behind you as it might in real life. Yeah. Um, it's challenging though. Like I remember like there's this one part fairly early on in the game. Like I never, I never finished the game because there's this one part that I'm stuck on and I can't get past it. So I just never finished the game because you you can't skip it. You can't backtrack. Like, you know, a lot of games when you get involved in a, in a boss battle, you can like, like back out of it and like go do other things first and then go back to it. Yeah. You can't do that in this. Like it's, yeah. it's part of a, like a linear story. You're stuck in this battle. Like when you die, it starts you back at the beginning of the battle. That's kind of nice though. I always hate when you get to the boss and then you die and you have to go all the way back to the beginning of the level. Yeah. I've been playing uh, not the most current um, Assassin's Creed, but the one before uh, Odyssey. And that kept fucking happening to me. And like it has a quick save option and I just never fucking utilize it. So mm. I die during a boss battle and I got to start like across the other fucking side of Greece and go back to where I was. <laughs> I've been playing Scott Pilgrim. Oh, yeah? Yeah. How's that going? It's fun, but it's hard. So hard. I, I, beat, I beat Matthew Patel. There you um, go. And, and the, my, the first time through level two, I got to Lucas Lee, but I couldn't beat him. And then I went all the way back to the beginning of the level. <laughs> I've gotten to him a couple times. I just I can't beat him. Because you hit him so many times and then like other skateboarders start showing up and hitting you with their skateboards. And like, stunt doubles? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they're, they're not stunt doubles because they don't look anything like him. But ah. they're just like other skaters. And you're just like, leave me alone. I'm trying to fight him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, actually, something dealing with something similar that took me a long time to get past is um, in assassin's creed you have to fight basically medusa it's not like the medusa but like a gorgon um and she'll like sick like stone creatures on you yeah it's like you know i'm trying to fight her fuck off (laughs) anyway um yeah so like i I couldn't really give you like the full kind of breakdown of resident evil 7 because like i said i haven't actually gotten that far in it um but what i played was very fun very like i said immersive and very dark like fucking dark. Yeah, it's fucking dark. Like it's super creepy. Um, like it captures that same kind of creepiness that you felt the first time you played the first game. Mm. Which I, th- I feel like you never really got that again in yeah. the in the in the, pre- uh, the latter games. It, t- it turned into more like action. Yeah, and just like kind of the the novelty wore off. You know, it's like that too. Yeah, it's like okay, I'm still having fun, but it's not creepy like that first game was. Yeah, um, you know, the first like I said, like the first time you played it, because after that it just gets like okay, well, I've seen all this before. Right. Anyway, um, but yeah, you play this uh, Nathan guy um, or Nathan, Ethan, Ethan, um, and you go into this um, house in I think it's Louisiana somewhere. Um, and you're looking for your wife because she like disappeared, left you like this very tiny, like hard to trace trail of clues, led you to this house, and that's basically where you, where the game goes from there. Um, and like I said, I can't tell you how it ends. I can't tell you where it goes if it stays in the house the entire movie or what. But um, what I've played so far was fun. From what I've heard of a village, like it sounds like it's got vampires. And maybe werewolves in it. Interesting. Yeah, because I the <clears throat> uh, the original Resident Evils were all zombies, and then they turned into like these mutants and stuff kind of later. But. Yeah, yeah, and the, like this 
I haven't really, like I said, I'm, I'm really at a loss with, with Resident Evil 7 because I don't know enough about it to really talk in depth. But I know it does continue that trend of being not exactly zombies, more just mutated creatures. Yeah. Um, and Little green ghouls. Yeah, as, as far as I can tell, Village is similar to Resident Evil 6. Mm. Um, in that you go to like this, you know, Eastern European village. Um, and you know, it's just a bunch of people that are like mutated creatures. Like, I don't even know if Umbrella has anything to do with it anymore. Oh, really? Yeah. Which is fine. I mean, they were more of a, of a foil than anything, but that can easily be, easily be changed. True. Um, as far as I could tell in Resident Evil 7, as far as I've gotten, Umbrella is, is nowhere to be found. Like, it has nothing to do with what I've seen so far. So, anyway. Um, let's see. Resident Evil Village will also include the Deathmatch multiplayer experience. Uh, Resident Evil Reverse. Okay. Uh, in celebration of the franchise's 25th anniversary. Not sure what that has to do with 25th, 25th anniversary, but whatever. Uh, it is available for pre-order. Um, yeah, I imagine they'll be selling a lot of uh PlayStation 4 and Xbox One copies because people still can't seem to get their <laughs> hands on PlayStation 5s or uh Xbox X or S's. I got my PlayStation though, yes, we know it's pretty nice. Nobody cares, Tony. I spent so fucking long getting that thing set up though, it's like you know, the thing about Actually, you know, uh, PlayStation 4 Pro and now PlayStation 5 is that it has HDR, which is like not only 4K, but like high, um, is it high, high, fuck. HDR basically means it's like the, uh, the difference between white and black are High dynamic range. That's what it is. So basically, like the, sh- the you have darker darks and wider white and brighter brights, um, like laundry, um, and you know it's like that was one of the selling points of PlayStation Five. So I get it all hooked up, and I run it through my surround sound receiver into my TV, like I had my PlayStation or my uh, PlayStation Four, and it's not fucking giving me HDR options. Well, this is what I fucking paid for. God damn it. Yeah. And, and this receiver should do that. I read it up. I read it in the uh, uh, user's manual, but it's not working. So I had, after a couple of days of finagling, I finally got it to work. I had to run it through my TV first, then back to my receiver. Oh, weird. It's it's uh, basically outdated HDMI ports was the problem. Mm. So anyway. Anyway. So yeah, Resident Evil 8 Village. Uh, look for it in May. Uh, I'd definitely be checking it out. I know I, I definitely want to go back to seven first and see if I can, even if I have to start from scratch and go back to it. Uh, I definitely want to work my way, my way through it before I play eight. Um, so I wonder if this is going to have the, the VR like seven did. I don't know. doesn't say it will, but doesn't say it won't. That's the chance. But don't use other people's VR. That's how you get pink eye. Especially in a pandemic. Right. That's how you get coronavirus uh, pink eye. 
Well, here's a hell of a thing. This is a hell of a thing. Uh, Robert Rodriguez recently did an interview with SFX Magazine, and he was talking about how he owns this station called El Rey. And he said, you know, internationally, we carried the From Dust Till Dawn series. In America, it came out on Netflix. But it was on El Rey. Huh? It was on El Rey. Oh, well, it was also on Netflix. It was a Netflix original. So I don't know how it could be a Netflix original if it was on El Rey. But maybe the last season was? I don't know. I don't know. But, uh, you know, he talked about how him and Quentin Tarantino still had the rights. And so that's why they wanted to put out this show. And they wanted to kind of expand the mythology of... Um, uh, what was her name? I'm totally spacing. Yeah, me too. Uh, Selma Hayek. Selma Hayek's character, yeah. yeah. Um, Pan- something pand- Santanico pe- pe- Pandemonium. Yeah, there you go. Something like that. Yeah. Sanguinium Demonium. <laughs> uh, well, that's not right. <laughs> but in this interview, he said, we did three seasons of that, and now we're looking towards... We're developing an animated from Dust Till Dawn. That's, I mean, okay, sure. <laughs> Why not? But that's strange. It's, it is strange. And I want it to be like a really hokey, like super childish looking cartoon, like Super Tree Friends or something. <laughs> <laughs> I My mind immediately went to like um, the haunted role of El Super Bisto. Mm, that yeah. kind of look. Like the Ren and Stimpy kind of style. Yeah. I'm sure it'll probably be like a... G.I. Joe kind of looking, you know, more realistic style, but I just think it would be fucking hilarious if it was just like <laughs> super campy and just over the top uh, animation. Who made the characters like kids? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe like Little Kenny. <laughs> exactly. Uh, other than being a remake of the movie, it's likely that this new series will follow in the footsteps of the live action show and further explore the world of Aztec vampires. That statement kind of contradicts itself because the first season of the show is basically a remake of the movie. Pretty much, yeah. It doesn't really expand the mythology until season two. Yeah, I mean, the first season, I don't know if the, initially the entire season covered the, the events of the first of the, of the movie. I feel like it did lead into other things before the end of the season. It's been a while since I watched it, though. Yeah, me so too. Um, but uh, I quite enjoyed it, though. I, I I liked the first season. Um, it got a little weird though in the subsequent seasons. Yeah, I don't I don't know. I I just kind of lost it, lost interest and just kind of phased out of watching it. Yeah, I don't know if that was necessarily just a quality issue or if it, if it was just me. Um, but I don't know. Something was amiss. Um, just kind of made me lose interest. But um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, this is obviously like the very, very preliminary because he's just saying, you know, it's something we're going to do. So it's not like they've hired directors or voice actors or anything like that. Um, obviously, it's going to be on El Rey. It's not being developed for any other networks. Right. Why would it? You know, Robert Rodriguez owns El Rey. Obviously, yeah. he's going to do it for his own network. Is El Rey still, still going? I mean, I uh, apparently. Okay. I don't know if I don't have it anymore. I mean, Lucha Underground went under, so I stopped caring about El Rey. Did it? Well, not officially, but it's been like four or five years. Like, everybody is out of contract and working other places now. Oh, really? Yeah. It's been that long? I think so, yeah. Oh, okay. 
Um, I know there was like a lot of people that they wouldn't let out of their contract because they wanted to do a season four and they're like, hey, I need to work. <laughs> so I need you to let me out of my contract. Were they like an independent brand or did they work exclusively for El Rey? No, they worked for El Rey. Okay. But I think they had partnerships with AAA wrestling out of Mexico. Mm. Okay. Right. Um, one thing that bothered me that I, I mean, that I didn't really care for about this, the series um, was that they made the vampires into like these snake creatures. Oh, yeah. I didn't care for that, especially because the movies are clearly like bats. Yeah. So I don't know what changed. For some reason, Santanico was like in the movie was some kind of snake creature, but all the rest of them were very clearly bats. Um, so I'm not sure why they opted to change that. Maybe just for, uh, like continuity throughout the, so that they were all the same. And they just based it on her since she's like the queen shit. But I mean, it's not like they were beholden to the movie. Like they, they clearly changed things. Well, yeah. (laughs) Um, I don't know, whatever. I don't know. I mean, I, I don't have El Rey. I don't think I know anybody that has El Rey. It's, I it's, had it. I don't know if I still do. It's a premium network, but um, yeah, I mean, keep an eye out. We'll try and get more information on this and pass it along when we do, but not that anybody comes to us for news, but no, it's not like we're like, like reporting breaking news guys. Yeah. Especially because you don't hear it till like three, four days after. Exactly. Recording. <laughs> so yeah, keep an eye out. All right. Okay, well, that's uh, gonna do it for horror business, guys. How long? How long was that? It was an hour. It just, I guess it just seemed long because we've been because we re- did it twice. Yeah, we've been talking for about another half hour beyond what we've recorded. Okay, um, but from here, where do we go, Taylor? We go to the Batmobile. No, sir, we don't have a Batmobile anymore. The, anymore. <laughs> <laughs> to the reviews. Okay, guys, so we have reviews for you. Uh, two pretty new movies, last couple months, I think, right? Yeah. Um, Bloody Hell just just came out, like, last week. Oh, did it? Yeah. Okay. It's new, new. Oh, that new, new? Yep. It's, it's new, new? It's new. Death by new, new. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, which one are you going to start with? Let's start with Get Away! you're shooting a horror film this weekend for your final project. You heard that. That's what we heard. We're gonna go, we're gonna party our faces off, and you're gonna be attacked with this movie. You guys coming to this thing? You guys should come. It's gonna be lit. This party's gonna be epic. Ah! That is awesome. It's a mask. Get it for the murderer. It's supposed to be scary. Brokenhearted. Young love betrayed. Don't be sad, pretty girl. He's going to die. 
And her, too. I see blood everywhere. Well, this all seems pretty freaking important. He's filming his kills. This is somebody who knows us. What did you do? You can run, but you can't get away! You're all going to die! Uh, I just wanted to let you know that we're gonna be shooting a horror film here, so if you hear any screams or see anything crazy, just don't worry about it. Are you gonna beat me? You killed that guy! I'm here! I'm here! I'm alive! I think it would be an understatement say that this film has gotten off to a rocky start. I say it like that because it's one word, but away is all capital. It's like, get away! Did what? Why you do that? <laughs> do, you, do you get this reference? Uh, it's the, the Donald Glover bit from Weirdo when the homeless guy punches him in the face. <laughs> 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 Why'd you do that? Get away! Uh, <laughs> I want to die! I want to die! <laughs> okay. So, get away. Or get away, get away, get away. <laughs> um, yeah, like I said, it's a brand new movie. Looks like it came out on December twenty second. Um, it's a, it's kind of a a clever concept. Um, the execution, I'm not sure about, but. So basically, the premise of the story uh, is that I can't really really say center around Maddie because she's not exactly the main character. I don't think. Yeah, like they kind of the beginning kind of introduces her like she's going to be the main character, but she doesn't. The movie doesn't really focus on her that much, right? Um, but so these are all film students. Um. I'm not sure which school. I this from license plates. I get I get that this takes place in Virginia, so I'm not sure exactly where they are art students. But they is are it Virginia or West Virginia. The plates said Virginia. I thought I saw that it was filmed in West Virginia. But I Maybe it was. I don't know. The cars they were using all said Virginia. Um. <clears throat> anyway, so uh, get away today. <laughs> Get away, you say. Oh, uh, hey, hey. Okay, so um, so the, these kids are, they're like actual, the people behind the movie are actual film students. The ones that made it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, they're from Shenandoah University. Okay. In Virginia. Well, there you go. Um, and the premise is that these students are, they're working on their final projects for their... Um, uh, for their film class, which is, of course, to make a film. 
Uh, whether or not it's feature length, short, it's not really specified. Um, you have to presume you can't expect an entire class of students to put together feature length films, but who knows? Um, this one film arranged by, oh God, I can't remember names. Uh, what's the director? Uh, is it Abigail? Is it Lo- Lori? No, it's not her. Like half the cast doesn't have pictures, so it's hard. Yeah, and there's no Wikipedia page to kind of lean on. I just, I'm, I'm terrible with names, and I knew this was going to be a problem as soon as I saw this ID, IMDb page. <clears throat> anyway, um, Tabitha? Tabitha? Is that her? It could be. Let's say Tabitha. Uh, Tabitha and Krog. They seem to be the number one and number two on this project. They are planning a... Uh, t- their final project will be a slasher film. Now, as a slasher, yes, Tabitha. Okay, right? That's that's her, right? Yes. Um, you know, as a big slasher film fan myself, I appreciate that about them. Is that what you appreciate about them? Yes, it is. Um, I'm gonna need to take you about twenty percent off there. <laughs> oh yeah, hey ground, <laughs> hey ground. Look at you. <laughs> Uh, so they gather up their friends, you know, other film friends, some theater friends, and just other people they know from around school, um, to all go, uh, they, they go to get away, uh, out of town, um, to Krog's, is it un- his uncles? I, uh, I think so. I don't know if they ever specified. Some relation to him. Some relation, yeah. Uh, owns, it ends up looking like, almost like a summer camp, but I think there's like rental cabins. People can go for a weekend, you know, a weekend getaway or something. Right. Um, in these cabins in the woods. But it, like I said, it does look like a, almost like a summer camp. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, the plan is to go out to this uh, campground and uh, film their slasher film. Um, and, you know, having worked on an independent film, not a student film, but an independent film nonetheless, it's kind of funny seeing just kind of similar things going on. Yeah. Um, where you just, it's like, you know, actors and, and other crew doing multiple different things on set. Yeah. <laughs> um, Sometimes not even knowing that they're, yeah. they've been tasked <laughs> to do a certain job. Um. And yeah, as far as like a center film, you know, or sorry, a center character, or central character, that's what I meant. Uh, it's, I guess it would be Maddie. Um, she uh, was recently uh, either dumped or broken up by, with, by her boyfriend, uh, Noah. And so she's just kind of like on the outs. She's trying to recover. And her best friend Harlow is trying to get her a little cheered up, say, hey, Come with us this weekend and and work on this movie. Um, she suggests her to uh, Tabitha. Says she's a, she's an actual excellent actress. Um, it'd be a great part of the movie. Um, and yeah, so they all you know mount up and head out to the woods. And they show up, and it's a you know a perfect setting for a slasher film. But um, you glossed over. Noah is there. Right, yeah. They all kind of 
gather up in their cars and Maddie crawls into one and sees that Noah is not, not only is Noah there, but he's there with his new girlfriend. His new squeeze. Yeah. Um, who is Kayla? Kayla. Right. That's her. Yep. So they, uh, have a very tense ride out into the wilderness and they get to this campground and, um, she's like, Oh yeah, perfect. Look at this screen. They're all excited about their little movie. Um, (laughs) and, uh, they, um, encounter Vic, the groundskeeper, uh, walks in on Noah and Kayla trying to fuck. Right. Um, and so basically a lot of this movie is, used to set up like potential killers i mean and so we did gloss over the kind of harbinger lady the harbinger lady. But they they stop because one of the girls gets car sick and tabitha finds this old scarecrow and like rips off its head it's oh, like oh look a right. mask because slashers always wear masks and then this woman walks up and is like you're all doomed yeah pretty much she says she's she's been touched which is not always sexual it does mean that she has like a, a second sight. Um, but she's also like, I could shoot you right now. Right. Because you're trespassing. Um, and they're like, please don't. Yeah. And I guess I also did glossing over a lot of things, apparently. <laughs> uh, their film professor um, was drawn into, like through a cell phone call. We you know, naturally can't hear the other person on the other end. So we don't know who we're dealing with here. But she was requested to be on set either to take part uh, in one of the f- student films or to um, advise. But she's led down these corridors in the school uh, into I don't know, like a storage room or something? Or is it? I, uh, it looked like the gym to me. Was but, that where it like happened? A, but it was like a small gym. What It was like, like not, a, not the main gym, but like a back gym. Yeah, like a weight room or something. Yeah. Um, Okay, yeah, and so she, this is all from the perspective of a camera that's filming her. It's like, what are you doing? You know, why why are you back here? And then uh, she gets stabbed in the stomach, and, you know, it's like, oh, why? Why, cruel world? That kind of thing. Um, I wish you hadn't cut me so bad. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So we know that there is uh, a traitor in the midst of these students who's just killing fools. Um, and so, yeah, the movie is kind of set up to be a little, um, meta in that these kids are making a slasher film, but are also living one. Um, ah, but so the movie is about film students, students making a slasher film. So the movie's made by film students making a slasher film about film students making a slasher film. It's like Inception. Yep. Slashception. Right. Um, and yeah, so they're they're just on the grounds of this camp trying to set up different shots, and I don't think they even actually started filming anything. Um, no, they didn't, because they all went to go get drunk. Right. <laughs> Much to the chagrin of Tabitha. Um, and... Um, yeah, and, I mean, basically the killing starts like right away. There's really no like lead up to it. Just people, not really. People start getting murked left and right. You get one red herring, which is super obvious. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, it, it kind of gets to a point where you 
pretty much know who the killer is. Um, like you said, there is a red herring, but you kind of see through it pretty quick. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, at least if you've watched as many slashers as we yeah, have. and that's the thing. If you've seen enough of these, especially slashers, um, you kind of see how things are going. It's it's hard to be surprised. Um, but anyway, so yeah, just kids start dying left and right by some masked killer. We don't know who it is. Um, until later there is, a, there is a reveal. It's not like, you know, uh, like Jason or Mike Myers where it's just like this, uh, kind of entity that kills people. It's, it's, there is a reveal to it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it, like like I said, it gets to a point where you're like, okay, well, I'm pretty sure I know who that is, and then, you know, slowly the other options are eliminated, and you're like, okay, yeah, I was right. Yeah. <laughs> um, but anyway, I, I think that pretty much sums up the synopsis without giving things away. Mm-hmm. Um, what What do you think? Um, it's kind. Of, it's pretty thin. It's like it feels like they had this idea that they were going to make this meta movie and then they didn't really follow through with it. Like the, the meta elements of it aren't really very uh, prominent. As far. Okay. Oh, so that like, they don't focus on the fact or the, the fact that they were making a slasher movie. Like they could have just been out there for anything. Yeah. And it wouldn't have changed the way that the movie played out. Yeah. Um, yeah. There aren't like, elements where somebody gets killed but they think it's part of the movie or right something. yeah that's the kind of stuff i would expect if you're yeah. if you're trying to make a meta slasher movie that's based on kids making a slasher movie right yeah um i don't i i didn't know that these were film students that made this movie um having you having said that i it makes sense um i could definitely see kind of the film school element or um film school feel to it that it's not as polished as even like an independent film might mm-hmm. be. Um, but I, I still have, you know, respect for it. I, I appreciate the, um, even though it, it wasn't really concentrated on, but I, I appreciate the kind of like, uh, you know, film within a film type thing. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean the 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 acting's not really top notch. No, but, but it's not terrible. No, I've I've seen worse. <laughs> That's for damn sure. Um, and you know, for uh, for being a student film, the production value uh, was actually pretty good. Um, I mean, having a location like where they shot is always an advantage. But, yeah. Um, I mean, even like the camera work um, and the sound. The sound was especially impressive, considering. Sounds so hard to 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 make good, you know. Yeah. Um I mean, yeah. Anybody like you know, you can get professional film results from a from a cell phone nowadays, but sound is always something that's still an art form in itself. Um but yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't really have a lot to talk about, I guess. Um Well, that's the thing. There's really not a lot to the movie. Um you know, I the things I appreciated are it's it's clearly in in their eyes it's a love letter to the slasher movies. Like there's definitely you know influences of Friday the Thirteenth 
and Halloween, you know, they actually make a mention of Halloween being like a cinematic masterpiece or something like that. Yeah. And so it's clear that they have this love for the genre and they try and try to, you know, pour that in there. Uh, you know, all practical effects, obviously, because they're not going to use CGI on a student film. But mm-hmm. um, the I wish the kills would have been like more clever. Because like most of them, it's just like a stab in the belly. Yeah, it's just like stab, you're dead. Okay, on to the next one. Right. Um, and you know that could definitely could have been a, a budgetary thing. Sure, but I mean, there's you know there's ways around that. Sure. Use a use a different weapon for one instead yeah, they, of just using the same weapon on every single person. Yeah, I mean there, you know, a lot like you said, a lot of the deaths are bludgeon uh, uh, stabbings, but there are is at least one bludgeoning. True. Um. So that's one one thing, um, but yeah, like I said, it's it's not as polished as you might hope, but you kind of give it sort of a pass considering um, that it is a student film, and you know, watching it, I without you having told me, I wouldn't have guessed, and I wouldn't guess it was a student film. Yeah. Um. So I mean, that, that's got that going for it. Got that going for. Which is nice. Bill Murray. Guys. Yeah. He got it. From, we, from from stripes. Right. Um Yeah, and the, the so the motivation behind the, the killer was kind of thin. Hackneyed. Yeah. It's also very reminiscent of a certain movie. Not sure what you're referring to. Scream. Ah, right. Um. Yeah, I I don't want to keep talking in circles, but I don't really have anything else to say. Yeah, I mean, like I was saying, I, the I appreciate that that they clearly had their influences and wanted to, um, you know, kind of pay homage to those. But at the same time, they, like I said, they have this meta element to it that I just don't think they followed through on. And it seems like either don't have it or go all the way with it. Mm-hmm. And they just kind of half-assed that, that element of it. Um, yeah. With, I'm sure the budget was minuscule, so it, it is hard to do a lot of gore or anything like that. A lot of special effects. There is one that's like a really slow kind of stabbing that they kind of zoom in on. Mm-hmm. Uh, Although it looked like you could see something under someone's shirt, yeah. Um, which the way they shot it, they could have like didn't have to have a person in a shirt. <laughs> you could have just put the shirt on something else, yeah, on a balloon or something, and then just anyway. Um, yeah, there there are like little things, just technical things that I think could have been paid more attention to. Like I think it was, I think it was that scene that you're talking about. Like they stab the person, and they pull the knife out. Or like there's there's a cutaway to the person's face, and they pull the knife out, and there's no blood on it. Oh, I didn't even notice that. I, I think it was that scene. It may have been a different one, but still, it, it was there. And it's just like, yeah, those are like little things that you should be paying attention to. Yeah. You know, um, it's kind of. I mean, you can only create so much realism, especially on a limited budget. And those are just things that you can help help yourself. You know. Yeah. Um, 
I don't know. I mean, we've talked uh, many times before on the show that as far as slashers go, you don't need a lot. Like you don't need to, to change the game, mm-hmm. but you need a uh, interesting killer and interesting kills. And this didn't really seem to have either. Yeah. But, but I mean, you know, credit where credits do it, it did. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not trying to shit on it. Like, no, yeah, it was definitely a competent film, um, and uh, you know, to make a slasher that doesn't suck is a challenge, right? Like this definitely is like formulaic and a little tropey and stuff, but it's yeah. again like making a slasher that's not derivative is a challenge because like what hasn't been done in the slasher yeah. genre. And that's, and that's the thing is like so many people that make slashers nowadays, they want to try and reinvent, reinvent the wheel and they just end up making a shitty movie. Yeah. This, you know, like you, like you said before, it pays a lot of homage to other films. It, it does follow, you know, kind of a slasher script to, to an effect. Um, but uh, yeah, they were just, I don't know. It's like eating plain yogurt instead of something with flavoring. You know? <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, it, it was definitely competently made. Technically speaking, it was it was done well. Um, you know, acting was about on par. What I might expect from you know people that aren't necessarily professionals. Um, yeah. And as far as the script goes, like it doesn't try and be like too complicated. A lot of times movies will try and throw you too many red herrings or, you know, try and convince you that it's one person when everyone can see that it's not or something like that. This one, it's really kind of straightforward and yes, well that makes it kind of formulaic at times it makes it. So it's, you know, a more true slasher film. It doesn't kind of stray off into this area of just being confusing and uh, like some kind of weird murder mystery game or something. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't know. Anything else to add? Uh, I don't think so. Okay. Um, yeah, like I said, technically speaking, uh, everything seemed like it was you know, pretty well done. Nothing award-winning, I, I, I don't think. But, uh, you know, acting was, was, like I said, competent sounds like such a, you know, it sounds like backhanded compliment. Me, yeah. yeah. But, you know. There, like I said, there are movies that have larger budgets with shittier actors, and there's not really, there's nothing really in the script where anybody is asked to like really act. Yeah, you know, like there's no big like emotional scenes or anything. Yeah, there is one girl in there that uh, what was her name, Catherine. She's a, a theater actress, and she was supposed to be the final girl in the movie, like in, in the movie they're filming. Uh she was pretty good in that she was acting very much like a theater kid. Yeah. Just overdoing everything. Yeah. I mean, that's, it's kind of a cop out, but if it works, it works. Yeah. You know, like, Hey, just act over the top. Yeah. Cause then if your acting is over the top, it's okay. Yeah. And that's like, if you watch movies from like the forties or fifties and you know, everybody's so corny and hand bone it's because these are like stage actors that yeah. are you know moved into film um and so yeah they're it's hard to tone things down <laughs> yeah so if you just write the character that way like i said it, it's kind of a cop-out but if if it works then it's it's successful yeah and honestly who's going to be the the wiser yeah and that's why i think like uh um you know sketch performers or you know um 
or improv people, mm. they tend to do well as actors uh, because they, they're not like methodically trained actors. They, uh, they act as if people do in the world, you know, rather than rehearsing lines and having to get into the mindset of the character, you know, that kind of yeah. shit. Um, just like, just be a person. Yeah. <laughs> um, but anyway, so yeah, uh, all that being said, um, I think maybe a four. That's where I'm at too. I was going to bounce between four and five. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I get, I don't, if I start talking and I'm just going to repeat all the stuff I've already said, sure. so. But uh, you no, know, I mean, like, yeah, I'll give credit where credits due. It was definitely a a, a well made film. Um, just some missteps and maybe some things that could have been. Uh, I think the script probably could have been tightened up a little bit, given another pass. Yeah, I think maybe just maybe some more imagination put into it. Yeah, yeah, I really think that the script was the biggest problem with it. I, I think the way that it was made was was perfectly fine. Um, like you said, you know, just little nitpicky things here and there. Yeah, but, yeah. but overall, I think the biggest problem was with the the story and some of the finer details of it. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, that is, you know, on VOD, standard you know, prices you might see, like three, four bucks. Yeah. To rent. So, moving on. Moving on to uh, last episode, I said it was from the UK, which I, I was apparently wrong. It's Australian and American. Uh, it's called Bloody Hell. Everyone has a past. I know I do. What? Let's just say... Everybody down the ground! Go, go, go. I'm not boring. Hey, it's you! I'm not famous. Rex. Rex. Rex Cohen. At least, not on purpose. I talk to myself. How much do you think they get for these, by the way? And I've been known to overreact. <laughs> so, trying to escape my hell of a past only landed me somewhere much, much, much worse. Future. I've got one night to escape. It's a family. These total psychos. Hi. Freaked out. Give me a break. 
I don't know if I thought it was from the UK just because of the name or uh, maybe I, yeah. I, I swear I, I read it somewhere, but who knows? Uh, so this is the story of Rex who at the beginning of the film, he's at the bank and he's like waiting for this one specific teller cause he wants to hit on her. And suddenly these guys in masks burst in with shotguns, you know, shoot the uh, security guard in the face. And they're like, everybody get down. The tellers all give us open your tills and give us everything. Yeah, you, Mister Bank Manager, I'm gonna need you to open the safe. And it's weird because these guys seemed like so inept, but at the same time seemed so organized. Oh, yeah, they knew all the tellers' names. Yeah, they knew the bank manager's name, and so yeah, they they clearly like had been casing the place and knew everything about the bank. Yeah, but. uh yeah, kind of jumping ahead, Rex just is able to take them all out by himself. Yeah, well, he's he's a he is ex, ex- military. Yeah. yeah, but like this woman has a gun in her in her bag, and somehow her bag ends up in his hands, and so he's holding up his wallet. And when the guy comes to pick up his wallet, Rex shoots him, grabs his gun, shoots one of the other guys. It's like a video game. Like he's, kind of he <laughs> spends his gun and then he picks up another guy's gun and yeah. starts using it. Uh, but we don't get the full story, but we find out that in the fray, an innocent person was killed. And so Rex, despite saving all these other people, gets put in jail for eight years, which the only reason he got eight years is because he took a plea bargain. Right. Yeah, and this is despite multiple people calling him a hero. Mm-hmm. Um, just, you know. Like even the defense attorney calls him a hero. Yeah. But also says that, you know, like his actions, he just took it too far and his actions led to this person being killed. Yeah. So we fast forward eight years. Uh, Rex looks exactly the same. It's so weird. <laughs> I didn't realize that we had fast forwarded the full eight years. Because I was like, he looks exactly the same. Did he? How did he get out of jail? Like, yeah, he doesn't have any great hair. Or... <laughs> no, he's, he's, and like, he's got the same facial hair. He's not like all scraggly yeah. or anything. Or, um, his haircut's the exact same. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, he gets out and he's like this big celebrity now. And so he's got paparazzo following him. Paparazzi. Paparazzo is singular. Paparazzi following him everywhere. And uh, so he goes and he picks up his belongings from his buddy's bar. <laughs> It really thought that guy was going to play more of a role, yeah. but <laughs> but he says, you know, the guy says, "Where to, where to next?" And uh, he says, "Finland." And he's like, "I meant like where to next in Boise, because apparently this takes place in Boise." And he's like, "Why Finland?" And he goes, "Oh, a very scientific, specific method," which we find out was him spitting spitballs at a map while in prison. Yeah, multiple spitballs that all landed all landed Finland. on Finland. So he thought it was just had to be fate. Yeah. So he's at the airport and this one guy just starts like, hey, you're the hero from the bank. Let me get a, get a selfie and all this stuff. And then there's this elderly couple just watching him and talking. And this guy who's sitting next to him comes and he sits next to Rex and he says, just so you know, uh, this couple back here says that they're going to get you. Yeah, they're speaking in, in Finnish. So. Yeah. And he says, you know, that he, he, they say that you'll be perfect for their son. Whatever that means. 
because I think they think that all Americans are a little like, hmm. <laughs> uh, but so he gets up and goes to the bathroom and I don't, I think this was the first time that it was really introduced, but you find out that his conscious, his, his mind is personified by himself. Yeah. You get the same actor, Ben O'Toole, uh, basically playing dual characters. And so he's having conversations with himself. Yeah. It's like his internal monologue personified. Right. Yeah. But so this guy from the terminal comes out of the bathroom. I love the way he just goes <laughs> and zips up his zipper with like this one big motion. I would never that callously zip up my pants. No way. But so his conscience is like, oh yeah, he's definitely after you. Put your dick away. Put your dick away now. And he's like laughing about it too. He's like, put, tuck your dick in, man. <laughs> That's the best part is that him and his conscience have like, they like rib each other. Yeah. Even though they're both the same person. <laughs> Yeah, he's, uh, I mean, Rex, the person, is definitely much more uh, uh, reserved and uh, kind of quiet, whereas his, his internal monologue or, you know, id, however you may want, may want to refer to him, uh, is definitely like a, just a smart ass. Yeah. And definitely the more uh, calculative of, of the two, I think. Yeah. But, and, you know, they're all him, so. It's, right. Uh, yeah, you find out it was like it started when he was in Afghanistan. It's mm-hmm. kind of a coping mechanism. But he flies to Finland and he gets in a taxi cab and suddenly he's like gassed in the back seat. And the driver like puts on a, a gas mask and and when he wakes up, he is tied in a tied up in a basement and one of his legs is missing. Right. That that sequence was weird because like he's like stand like he wakes up and yeah he's he's suspended from the ceiling by his arms or by his wrists and uh you see a golf ball roll out of this mountain of bags and it rolls up and stops against his foot and there's like a little puddle of blood on the floor and it's just like i'm staring at that i'm like why are they concentrating on this so much like, I did not put together that he didn't have two feet on the ground. <laughs> right, yeah. It's the inside of his foot. Yeah. <clears throat> Which is what kind of makes him realize. And he looks down and starts freaking out. Yeah. And again, his conscience is just kind of like almost making fun of him. Quit being, like, quit being a bitch. Yeah. And he's just like, you know, look, you got to get out of here. And you got to find, you got to look through those bags. Like Tony said, there's a big pile of bags. And he says, you got to see if there's anything useful in there. And you come to find out that he's been kidnapped by this family. Um, not, like, not just one or two people, but like an entire family. And one of their kids is a cannibal. And he's just like, he's, he's a giant man baby. <laughs> yeah. I was, I don't know. I, that's kind of a spoiler, I guess. But, yeah. Um, but he, he is a cannibal and the family just like kowtows to his needs and so they are apparently constantly just kidnapping people and feeding them to their child. Americans. Americans specifically. They always take yeah. Americans. It's not really explained why. Yeah. At one point, like, the mom is like, America is a filthy, disgusting country or something like that. Like, they have this vendetta against Americans. Yeah, I mean, she's not wrong, but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know if uh, Patty, the kid, is like, Americans just taste better <laughs> or something. Um, but, like, what got me is, like, Rex is very fit. You know, he's thin and muscular, and I'm like, he's just, that's going to be gamey. Yeah. Like, you you want a fatty, right? Sure, yeah. 
Like not only are they, are they easier to catch, but they're going to taste better. Right. Although they don't cook them. No, it's just all raw. Yeah. Which, why? I don't why, know. Why, is, why are cannibals always eat raw meat? Like, I mean, except for, what's his name, Nico? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because at one point they have, there's like a leg or something on the table and it's just like hairy. I'm just like, at least shave it. Like, yeah. cut it's off like, the skin. Yeah, it's like, you know, when you uh, eat like, um, you know, like fat back or, you know, pork rinds or something. It's like, you know, pigs have hair. Similar but coarser than ours, um, but when you fry it, it all burns off. Yeah, <laughs> you cook it, right? <clears throat> uh, and then, so the the daughter of this family is not okay with with Patty's actions, not okay with the family uh, doing whatever it takes to give him his meals, and so she's been trying to get away for years. There's actually a cold open where we see her run and, and jump into a lake or something, just trying to get away. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, they, they don't really explicitly explain that that was her until later in the movie, but it's, Right, they say her name and you don't really know, you don't really know what that scene was for yeah. until later when you find out, that when someone calls her Alia and you're like, oh, that's the girl from before. Uh, but so, you know, Rex decides he's going to get free and he's going to help her uh, escape And I don't, you know, I don't want to give away too much, so. Yeah, I mean, most of the movie is just him in the basement planning his escape with his other second self, self yeah. yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, calling this horror might be a little bit of a stretch. Um, but, I mean... I don't know. Does it really qualify as anything else? I mean, I guess you could call it a thriller, but that's, you know, kind of in the same vein. Right. Um, but no, I mean, I thought it was fun. I liked it. I liked it a lot. <laughs> um, it was funny because like Cheese came in and watched a little bit of it and she was like, is this a comedy? And I was like, no, not really. I mean, and then I was watching it more and I was like, Okay, it's pretty funny, actually. Yeah, it's it's definitely got funny parts. Calling it just a comedy is right. No, it's not like a comedy horror or anything, but it's it's closer to a horror, but it has funny bits. Yeah, I mean, you know, Rex, uh, especially in the parts leading up to him going to Finland, there's a lot of funny parts, uh, mainly from his, you know, alter ego or, or however you want to refer to it. Um, most most of the comedy comes from the interaction between Rex and Rex, right? Um, and uh, yeah, and it's just funny because you know, it, it kind of his his uh, you know image of himself is is uh, really representative of like his his determination and his like kind of inner mindset, trying to like overcome the fear that he's feeling because there's like this one point when he realizes that his leg's been cut off and he starts crying and you know his inner self is just like stop it stop stop crying we don't have time for that yeah and uh you know just they're kind of 
working together to figure things out. Like there's, a, you know, he's he's in a basement, so he has no idea where he is or you know, what time of day it is. But, you know, he says, okay, well, you know, they knocked you out. The fact that you're still alive means they're expecting you to still be asleep. Uh, he's like, you know, and you're taken at night. You have to assume it's probably still nighttime sometime. Um, you know, let's, let's assume 4 o'clock or, you know, 4 a.m. And then at one point, the grandfather clock upstairs starts chiming. They're like, okay, well, this isn't. And they listen for the chimes to tell what time of, mm-hmm. time of night it is. And so it's just th- stuff like that, you know, very, um, you know, kind of like almost like CIA operative type stuff. For, yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, and just how he kind of plots his, his escape and uh, the interactions with this, with, the, with this fucking weirdo family. There's this one part where, they, where he comes to the realization that he's been kidnapped by a family. Because he sees, you know, several bikes mounted on the wall, and there's <laughs> jumps to them riding their bikes in, in you know in the forest, all just like it looks like a scene out of Sound of Music, um, and um, there's just goofy music playing in the background. Dude, some of the music was so good. Yeah, <clears throat> and so it's just it's a lot of those movies just kind of really off the wall. Yeah, um, and. Um, yeah, I don't know. It almost I'm trying to like compare it to the like a certain director's style, but I'm drawing a blank. Um but yeah, no, it's it's fun. Like all, all the characters if they're quirky. Um what yeah. I like about about Rex is that like even though he's ex military, he's still like fallible. He's not like this like super soldier. Yeah, exactly. So he still like kind of fucks up sometimes. Mm-hmm. And like you know, this I guess is kind of a spoiler that he gets down. But when he goes through the bags, it's not like like yes, he finds a couple knives and a, and a flare gun. Mm-hmm. But it's not like he finds like a shotgun and shells and yeah, you know, all this like perfect weaponry or anything. Yeah, it's like you know he's he's missing <laughs> he makes a, a prosthetic out of a gold. Right. <laughs> it would never work. <laughs> um and. You know, like like you're saying, he's not like a super soldier. It's like, yeah, I mean, he's missing one of his legs below the knee, and it's like he's not going to make some daring escape, you know? <laughs> right. Um. So, yeah. Um, um, honestly, like the funniest part to me was our uh, Alia reveals that she wants to be a doctor. Mm-hmm. So she comes in and she like dresses his wound, and then she kind of starts like rubbing his thigh help the blood flow and stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, just before this, Rex's alter ego had talked about how sexy she was. Yeah. And so she's like rubbing his thigh and he looks over and his alter ego is just like, huh? Yes. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. And like, just like the, the, the c- comedy in this movie really amps it up. Like sometimes it can be a distraction or even a, a, a detriment, but it really helped this movie, I think. And it's not slapsticky. It's not you know like jokes at the expense of the horror. It's yeah. Like there's parts where like um, you know where Alia first sees um, Rex, and she goes back up into her bedroom because Rex like just fucking booted her little brother in the face and broke his nose, um, and uh, 
after her part was so good. Yeah. It's like, and I, she, I'm not going to hurt you. But <laughs> <laughs> and it's like slow motion and just the blood just flies out his nose. Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, she's like the black sheep of the family because she doesn't want to be part of this. So they take her brother to the hospital and leave her there alone. And she's up in her room having daydreams, dancing around with Rex. <laughs> And something similar later on in the movie, when Rex finds his severed foot, <laughs> uh, he has this, a similar daydream of him dancing around with his own severed leg. And this is like in the middle of a brawl with one of her brothers, right? Um, yeah, and so it's just it's 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 a a, a goofy movie, but also kind of creepy at the same time. Um, like I said, it's it's. You know, I feel like Goofy gives the wrong impression because it's not like slapsticky and it's not like super over the top jokes or anything like that. The, yeah. jo- the jokes are subtle for the most part. Obviously, those two are a little more yeah. uh, goofy, but um, yeah, the the humor is it's you know kind of dry and subtle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, if you're looking for like violence or gore, there's not a lot of that. Um, you know, most of the stuff that happens is already. Has already happened by the time you join. Yeah, he's, I mean, like he's, his leg is already gone. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't see anybody like feasting on anybody that's alive or anything like that. Yeah. Um, there was something I was going to say, but now I forgot what it was. Shit. Um, so the IMDb tags for this are escape, bare-chested male bondage, <laughs> arms tied overhead. Deadpool and ready or not. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I can see ready or not. I don't understand Deadpool. And the rest just sound like porn. Yeah, the rest of it, I mean, are things that happened in the movie. Sure. <laughs> um, yeah. No, it's, it's a fun movie. I, mean, like, I, I enjoyed it. Yeah, I quite liked it. Apparently, it's the, supposed to be the first in a trilogy. Oh yeah, yeah. It did not. So, it didn't end on so much of a cliffhanger. It just was open ended. Yeah. Um. Kind of makes me wonder where it's going to go from there, unless it's a completely yeah, different story. I, I don't. I don't really know what, what you do with a sequel, but if they already have one in mind, then I'm guessing they have a plan. Yeah, I mean, they sold me on at least the second movie with with this one. So yeah. <laughs> Um. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, all the cast was great. Um, I mean, did uh, did Ben O'Toole give you kind of a Joey Kern vibe at all? Joey Kern, Sweet Lou. Oh, uh, no, not really. No, not so much. All right, fuck me then. <laughs> I mean, I won't take that <laughs> away from you. If he reminds you of Joey Kern, that's fine. Um. Yeah, I, I'm. I don't know. Do you have anything else to add? I mean, this seemed both kind of short reviews, but. Um, yeah, I mean, without just like walking through the movie and giving everything away, I don't know what else to talk about. Yeah. I, I think we've covered the important parts. Uh, no, I mean, like I said, it was, it was filmed well. Uh, like the, the, there was some really creative directorial stuff too. Yeah. Like, I, I know there was more than this, but the one that sticks out in my mind is when he's shooting, uh, spitballs at the map. It does this thing where you it kind of follows the spitball into the map 
into mm-hmm. Finland. Then it kind of goes down through the clouds and goes right into the basement where he's at. Yeah. And, you know, I want to say some elements of this kind of reminds me of like a Guy Ritchie film in the more, uh, you know, kind of off the wall things that he does in his movies. Yeah. Um, I was thinking a little David Fincher too. A little bit. Yeah. Um, but that might just be the fight club, like alter ego kind of thing. Could be. Um, but yeah, that, that, that element played really well. I thought like it was very creative to have Rex talking to Rex and, you know, it, it was like, as a viewer, it was frustrating because, you know, you've, you're seeing two people in the room, but only one of them can actually do anything. <laughs> right. Yeah. You keep kind of like expecting Rex's alter ego to help him, but there's really nothing he can do because he doesn't actually exist. And there are scenes where you see Rex just yelling at nobody. Yeah. Um, and um, yeah, the one scene in particular, he's like trying to grab this knife off the ground with his singular foot. And his other self is just standing there, you know, talking to him. It's like, fucking pick up the knife for it. <laughs> right. Um, but yeah. Uh, but yeah, I really like that element of it. Um, and Ben O'Toole is great, like in, in both characters, because they were, were different characters. I mean, they, they both kind of had different personalities. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought he did really well in that. I looked There's, at his IMDb. I don't think I've seen him in anything else. But There was like at least one time where um, the two characters are interacting and they're actually like physically touching and stuff. And I'm just like, is this twins? I don't remember that part. It was like when he first woke up and you just see this hand come around and go over his mouth. And then oh, like right, his other right. self kind of circles around him. And at that point I was like, is this two people? Like, cause the, the CGI or whatever they did, I don't know maybe if they put his face on somebody else's body or something, but it was, it was really well done. Yeah. There wasn't any, um, it, it didn't look like, you know, they, they placed, you know, or, you know, placed his face on somebody else or, like he was green screened in or anything like that. It definitely looked like two of them were in the room. Yeah, like it, like I said, it was at the point where I thought that maybe it was twins. Yeah. Um, I yeah. love a good set of twins. <laughs> yeah, I think that's that's about all I got. Without repeating myself, so. Yeah, I mean the the family. I, I they seemed like good actors again. You know, we've just said so many times on this show that when people are speaking another language, it's so hard to tell how well they're emoting. But yeah, you know, the the mom was um, Caroline Craig. Yep, she looked so familiar, but I don't think I recognize her from anything she's been in. I don't even know what any of these things are. Are they all? No, it's all English titles. Yeah, it's like the thing. It's like I don't even know if any of these people are actually Finnish or European for that matter. Right. Of course, she's, she's, did. she's from Australia. Okay. And I don't was. I don't know if any because this entire cast they were either American or Finnish. Um, and I don't know if anybody actually was American or Finnish since this this was an American slash Australian film. The last thing I saw that was like that was Better Watch Out, and pretty much the entire cast was Australian, even though they were playing Americans. So yeah. 
I don't anyway. know. But, I mean, if he is Australian, he covered up his accent well. Oh, for sure. Um, And, you know, everybody else had Finnish accents, so it was impossible to tell. I don't know what a Finnish last name sounds like. So, like, what would be an example of a Finnish last name? Uh, I don't know. I mean, they're, they're you know, Scandinavian, so. Yeah. Scandinavian uh, names tend to look somewhat similar. Looks like most of these people don't actually have their nationality in their bio, so that's not helpful. Yeah, like, uh, I know at least uh, Meg Frazier, is that her name? The one that played Alia? She yeah. This is only her second credit, so. Right, yeah, she got one of the uh, introducing credits. Introducing Meg Frazier as. Apparently this was nominated for an AACTA award for best cinematography. I agree with that. Yeah, I mean, the camera work definitely was a big element of this movie. Yeah. Uh, cam- not not just like the camera tricks, like you know, you're talking about the spitball, but just like the angles and stuff. Like mm-hmm. it de- definitely added to, you know, whatever element, or, you know, whatever feel they were trying to capture in the scene. Did the guy in, in uh, Rex's cell, like, was that weird to you? That you never saw his face? Well, you never see his face. They seem to focus really heavily on him reading The Great Journey. Like that seemed to be like a major point of of emphasis and i didn't really understand if that was for a reason and yeah like you never see his face and but he seems to be so like uh uh instrumental in in ben's time in prison i don't know it, it was just struck me as odd i i don't know if it was like something like i kept thinking there was going to be like a big reveal or it was something they were going to come back to later and then they just never did yeah so, yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I thought it was odd that they never showed his face. His voice sounded really familiar. Um, and I thought maybe it was going to, you know, be revealed to be some somebody that I would recognize. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, that never happened. Um, and I didn't notice what book he was reading, but I, is that a real book? I don't know. Oh. I just thought that the name was going to inspire something, but there was no real. I mean, the name alone, I guess, kind of plays into the theme of the movie. Uh, yeah. Of him going to another country. Mm-hmm. And he you know, was basically telling him that, like, you know, Rex is relying on, you know, fate to decide where he's going after he gets out of prison. And I think this guy's like basically telling him that fate isn't real or something like that. Or Yeah. Make your own fate. Yeah, like Terminator. Yeah. There's no fate. There's no fate but what we make for ourselves or something. <sighs> anyway. Okay. So, uh... Yeah, this was a good movie. Um, I think I enjoyed pretty much all of it. Um, trying to think of some some critiques of it. Like I said, it's it's not the most horror of horror movies. You know, there there are definitely horror elements to it. You're you're trapped in a basement in a foreign land, and you have these. Uh, this family trying to kill you and eat you. So yeah, there's definitely horror elements to it, but as far as like, uh, you know, creating fear and stuff, it, it doesn't really have that kind of, uh, tone. Yeah. It's definitely doesn't have like a, like a hostile. Right. It's more, it's more of kind of an action horror, but, um, yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, in, uh, Patti, was that his name? Yeah. Um, I was kind of hoping for more. 
in the reveal. But, you know, whatever. Yeah. But if that's your, your own... Like, I always try to not judge movies based on my own expectations. Sure. Unless it's something that, like, they led me to expect. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, this movie did make it seem like you were going to expect, like, a monster, you know? and Yeah, I suppose. But anyway, that's... Yeah, like it's, like you said, I mean, pretty much up to your own expectation and interpretation. Yeah. Anyway, um... I give this an eight. Um, I'm gonna give it a nine. All right, it's pretty. It's pretty good. It was. It was quite good. I I enjoyed it a lot. Yeah. So this is a uh, bloody L. Bloody L. Which he does say at one point. Does he? Yeah. Right when he gets injected with the knockout juice. Oh yeah. Um. Which is it? That's not particularly Australian, is it? Do they say bloody hell in Australia? Much? Maybe I don't know. I haven't been to Australia. Uh, they just—I just know they say crikey. <laughs> yeah, they do. They say that all the time. <laughs> so when I was in high school, we had a like a teacher exchange program. Okay. So our math teacher went to Australia, and we got an Australian math teacher. And somebody asked him, "They're like, do you guys actually say crikey all the time?" And he goes, "What, like crikey Moses?" We're like, "Crikey Moses? What's crikey Moses?" <laughs> <laughs> You're blowing our minds. <laughs> Uh, I, we had, we had Australian exchange students. Like we had a, an exchange program where we had, I think we had students go to Australia and we had, you know, about a dozen Australian students come to our school for, you know, a month or two or something like that. Mm. Um, yeah, there was this one girl, like I got kind of sweet on her and then she left. I'm like, fuck. So you were like, crikey Moses. <laughs> Anyway, you wanted to take her down under? Sure, yeah. It's okay. She doesn't listen to this. <laughs> Probably not. And even, even if she did, I doubt she would know it was her. Yeah, I doubt she remembers the American guy that she met for like uh, less than a month, uh, almost 20 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay. Uh, so, that's going to do it for us here, guys, on this grand old episode of the Grave Plot Podcast. Yes, sir. Uh, we're going to be back in two weeks, wherein we will be watching what, Taylor? We will be celebrating Women in Horror Month uh, with our first episode of February. We'll also be recapping the Great Plot Film Fest, so make sure you tune in for that. Uh, but we are going to be watching uh, Slumber Party Massacre from 1984, I think, and The Invitation. There you go. Those Both are... directed by uh, female directors, and Slumber Party Massacre is also uh, written by female writers. There you go. Okay, so look out for that. And look out, yeah. And uh, Grave Flat Film Fest uh, coming up on the sixth. This is your last warning. Yeah, we're not going to be able to tell you again unless we like make a special episode and be like, hey, buy tickets <laughs> right now. Thanks for listening to the Great Plot Podcast. <laughs> Bye. Okay. <laughs> uh, so, but yeah, next episode in a couple weeks, guys. Until then, Taylor, where can people find us? They can find us at graveplotpodcast.com on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube as Grave Plot Podcast or on Twitter as Grave underscore plot. Uh, rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. And check us out at patreon.com slash graveplotpodcast. Join the episode live for Horror Business. 
And of course, greatplotfilmfest.com. Get your Film Fest tickets. Join us virtually on February 6th. Yep. Yeah. All that. We got 23 movies? 25. 25. Fuck, that's a lot. Is that how much we usually show? Uh, I think the first year was 23. Last year was 20, 22, 21, something like that. Really? Okay. So it's a couple, little more. Yeah, these ones kind of, in general, kind of skewed a little shorter than years past, I think. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Anyway, uh, cool. Well, we'll see you next time, guys. Until then, I'm Skeletoni. Actually, next time we'll see you, we'll be at the Film Fest. Well, sure, yeah. So we'll see you at the movies. <laughs> Don't do that. <laughs> the next time we see you on the show, or talk to you, you know, in the way that we talk to you on a podcast, in that we don't talk to you at all. Unless you're on Patreon. Yeah, we, we talk at you. We'll be a couple weeks. Until then, I'm Skeletoni. I'm Taylor of Terror. This has been the Grave Plot Podcast, where we're all a little dead inside. <laughs>